Welcome to The Theater Project. Today, The Theater Project is thinking about what happens after college. I'm your host, Mary Ionelli, and I will be speaking with Ariel Gonzalez. So I got this brainstorm to do these podcasts for a lot of the younger TPJ people who are coming up and give them kind of an idea on the backgrounds and, you know, what goes on, what happens after you graduate. So let's start with, because I know so much about you, but nobody else who's listening may. So let's start with how you started. How it started was um, my elementary school, St. Michael's School in Union, New Jersey, uh, was going to be putting on a musical for the first time in, in many years. And uh, this person, Mary Ionelli, was going to be directing it. I joined like every club. I was a pretty, pretty precocious and very excited. And I did love to sing. And I loved like before I thought it was fun. Um, but I thought it was just going to be like an, any other club. I was in, you know, basketball. I was in public speaking. I was in a, so I just thought it'd be fun. And I got the audition sides. I remember it was for, it was for Oliver. And I was very excited and I practiced the sides with my mom um, in a British accent. I was very prepared. And then I almost didn't come to the auditions. I can't remember if it was because we for- <laughs> I messed up the day or I got too anxious. I can't remember. Um, but we, regardless, we went there. Um, we get taught everything, we get taught the day. And I wanted to do so well. I was so excited. And we get taught the dance combination. I mess it up. I cry. Um, which like, you know, really (laughs) set me up. Um, but I guess it went well, it went well and it was fun (laughs) enough. And then, um, you cast me as Fagin and I loved it. I had so much fun. I got to wear a stippled on beard and dance around and be an old man. And I was 12 and it was so fun. And I just thought it was just a really fun thing. And then I remember over the summer, I was like, I want to go to like a theater camp. Like I want to keep doing this. And I kept doing, I went to like a theater camp and then I kept, just kept doing the plays. And then by the time I was in eighth grade, I, so what's that, like 13, 14? I kind of had a sense, I was like, I think I want to do this, like, yeah. like as a job. Like when I, like, you know, that's, I was like, I think I want to do this when I grow up. And that kind of led to me going to my high school, went to Union Catholic in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, and um, because they had a good theater program and I, you know, and good academics and all that stuff. So I went there and then it just kind of just kept taking off. Like I I, um, knew I wanted to do that. And then once I was in high school, kind of solidified that experience being in the in the performing arts company there and then knew I wanted to go to college for it and applied uh, and went to NYU Tisch. And then sort of from there, like then then there, then I graduated and have been an actor ever since. But it all started because I went to your audition when I was 12. <laughs> Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to go back a little bit on on the audition because in grammar school, you were with the Kelly Street three, Players. Three years. For... I did Oliver, Hello Dolly, and Annie and, and Get your gun. yes, one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> and you had the leads in each of those, mm-hmm. right? I did. Then you go to high school, and I remember coming over to your house that first night. So you auditioned for your freshman play, and what part did you get? I got no part. I didn't even get a call back. <laughs> I was 
And I was also, I was devastated. I was also leading the summer plays. Like, so I was like, I'm going to roll up in here. Like, give me my Tony ready to go. And I didn't even get a call back. And that was a smack. That it was a very much needed yes. smack in the face. <laughs> and, and, and I remember coming to your house that night, your mother calling me and, you know, getting there and saying, um, look, you, you, you were the big fish and, and now you're the little fish in the big pond and just stick with it. And, you know, and by the time you left in your senior year, you were performing in Les Mis. Was that your last yes, one? That was my that was my senior year musical, my last show with the company. And uh, you were playing the part of? Eponine. There you go. So it kind of grew. I had one solo my freshman year musical. We did Sugar, which is based on the movie Some Like It Hot. Mm-hmm. And after my fall play experience, which because I didn't get into the fall play, I ended up doing tech crew because I right. just wanted to be around it. I and remember you making all... pillows. I did. I made <laughs> very, very poorly made couch cushion pillows. They were horrible. They were so I was not good at sewing. I don't know why I got put on costumes, but it was. But at the same time, it gave me an appreciation uh, for kind of all aspects of theater that would really, really carry on into my um, high school career, but also but a lot into my college and then professional life, just like the the all around artist maker thing. Right. And one of the things I try and impress upon the young kids coming up, I've gone to a lot of workshops and things in New York for teaching theater and whatnot. And all of the people that come that are currently on Broadway that are talking, uh, usually when they find out how they started, it's because they were in a regional theater with somebody and that person got a, a shot on Broadway and remembered them and came back. So I think doing crew and making pillows, as long as, what did you learn from that? And, and through your high school years that took you into Tish, that you carried with you? What I learned from that experience was that, first off, that so much more went, I, I knew more went into a show than just performing, but oftentimes the people on the stage in the moment get kind of the most accolades for making a show work. And the truth is that, that per, the performers you see on stage are maybe 50%, maybe. I would say 60, 40, 60% is what happens before before you get there and also backstage. Like like so much of a show just just is completely behind, behind the curtain. Like so much of the show is completely behind the curtain. So it gave me that perspective, um, that reality check too, that like uh, there are other things that are just as important as you being on that stage. Um, like, guess what? If those pillows don't get made, like that couch doesn't exist and there's nowhere for you to sit. So, you know, there's like a, there's, I think a value to that. I think it also, um, taught me, it taught me the relationships between both between backstage and on stage and how they both need to be working so well together in order to happen, which as I went through NYU, I just, I started making more of my own work or you by, by the nature of school of of school you have to kind of make a lot of your own things you're making your own plays you're making your own scene you have to do a scene with somebody and you know you become costume and set designer and so you it helps to have a sense of what that is even Mm -hmm. if it's not going to be your profession um and then after theater just like has given me you know i think there's like a greater appreciation for the people who do that work and i think that it like 
you know, and I have had it where I'll work on something maybe in a smaller capacity and then someone remembers me and they bring me on or they'll come bring me into an audition. Like I've assistant directed things that then later down the line, the director knows that I'm an actor. So then they bring me in for an audition and we'll work together things like that. So it's also just a way to know and meet people. Um, and I think it's a way to get to know your own skill set better because you never, you never know what you like sometimes until you try it. Until you do it. That's true. Yeah. So, you give it a try. <clears throat> so after you finished with Tish, you, mm -hmm. um, you stayed in New York. I did. And I assume you did not hit the big stage right away. So what I, did you I do? I did it. <laughs> well, first, so I, I, I sort of stayed in New York. I went to Tish and then I moved back home to save up money because I went to Tish. <laughs> um, and had student loans to pay off and, and I'm still paying off. Um, but I went there, I came back, but I was in the city. Like I was auditioning. I would literally pack a rolling suitcase of my audition, my binder, my headshots and stuff and clothes and like roll <laughs> into New York and like became very acquainted with cafes and stuff of where I could sit between auditions. So yeah, so no, I did not hit the big time right away. A lot of it was, I assistant directed for the, the first big job I got. The first big job was not even an acting job, which I think actually was good. My first big job was I was the assistant director for Rachel Chafkin, um, who directed Hades Town. But before this, she was my she was my professor, one of my teachers at NYU. Okay. Um, and who I loved, and just she's a genius. And um, I assistant. And I kept in touch with her and I, I helped with, I had um, interned with her company, the team, and then I assistant directed Small Mouth Sounds at Ars Nova. And so I was the assistant director and I got to be in the room, a fly on a wall, watching these incredible um, professional actors, like top of the heap, like Sakina Joffrey, people who are just so amazing. And I got to just be a part of that very professional experience, not as an actor, but sort, but as a person in production. And and it was really cool to get to to witness that and just be a part of it and to help and to learn. And yeah, that was my first kind of professional gig. And then I started just auditioning and you know doing a lot of side projects and just kind of kept building a resume from that. Okay. <clears throat> and most recently, you were with the Flea Theater, right? I was with the flea. So you were with the flea for a little bit. And what are you doing now? Um, well, now uh, it, it is pandemic. You may have heard. Completely shut down live theater. And that was very difficult. What am I up to now? Um, a good question. So I was in an immersive show called Zero Space. We were in the Hotel Pennsylvania. And that was my, that was my biggest gig. It was my you know i had a consistent paycheck it was awesome i had that that this moment where i was like oh my god like it's really starting to happen like i'm getting things going things are moving um and i was doing that show for about six months it was my longest gig too so it was really cool to be in something for that long and then so and then uh but it is an immersive show with a lot of touching of people's hands and getting very close in small rooms with people and so we had our last show March 18th and we thought we'd be close for like a month or two. And then um, that extended to say the least. So at the, for those first couple months were very hard because there was just this unknown. I didn't know if, you know, would the summer theaters that I had applied to be happening? You know, we still thought like, we're still thinking in months at this point right. or in March, we're thinking weeks, months. 
when that became clear that it was not the case, there was sort of like this period of not mourning per se, because I knew I know it'll come back. But there was this period of like, whoa, the thing that I've put all my time into is is not here. And what am I going to do? And how am I going to feed that creative part of myself, um, which was really important to me for my sanity. Mm-hmm. So I did a couple podcasts. I was I did this, this voiceover for um, this podcast called The Magic Sash is this children's podcast oh, by Gen Z Media. Um, and I played a teacher and it was really, really fun. And I made my, my podcast studio is my closet. And that was really fun. And doing just a couple things like that, um, doing readings with friends. And then in the summer, as the Black Lives Matter movement sort of like came to this like very big crescendo and n- not crescendo, like this big head, um, I was part of the theater company, The Flea, um, and we were having our own reckoning with creating how do you create like an anti-racist theater and that this the theater we were in was not doing that and the pain that that was causing my fellow company members pain it was causing you know um other not just members of color but also members who were who are in the lgbtq community and sort of like bringing to head like how these marginalized groups were being more further marginalized in an industry that is all about embracing particular you know it's 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 at, our, at the core, I think that's what makes theater a very special place. It often is a place for people who feel that they don't fit in or feel a little bit misfitty. And it's really important that marginalized voices be heard in theater. And so we created our own sort of group called The Fled, which is this, at this, we're, st- we're still figuring out sort of what we want to do, where we want to be, how do we want how do we have this group of people, what do we want to do with us? Cool. Um, we all know we're all friends. We all know we have... Uh, very similar morals and ethics, uh, a big commitment to, you know, anti-racism and a big commitment to um, inclusion of all genders and identities. And just like the idea that like this inclusivity and the importance of highlighting voices that oftentimes gets silenced. And how can we lead with that? And then how do you, okay, how do you make art with that? And so that's sort of what we're figuring out now. We literally just I just did a survey because we're we're also doing this all digitally because we can't like all get together and meet. But it's really fun to do this thing with people. You're like, I know these people. I care about these people. These people are amazing art makers. And how can we make something that, you know, only only enhances your art? I think it can be a daunting task, but it's also I ultimately, I think, very freeing because when people feel safe and comfortable in 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 their workplace, they can flourish Mm -hmm. and so i'm really excited to see what we'll do with that so that's sort of what i'm doing now yes keep us posted if you're ever ready to talk about anything going on there we can we can do this again i will have you stayed mostly with the behind the scenes the technical side and the on the boards side or do you have any other creative outlets are you writing music playing instruments anything like that um i've been mainly a an actor and performer it it is just in in me to 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 do that um but i do write some because i do uh sort of also also i think something that's been important is to allow my perception of my own career and what i want to do to shift when i first started there were so many different things i wanted to do which is great and there are still so many things i want to do and love to do but i started learning where what i what i really fit into and 
Um, I started doing a lot more comedy, started doing more stand-up, writing comedy, doing things like that. That maybe that if someone had maybe told me that when I was like 15 or, or 16 or 17, I would have been maybe surprised by that. <laughs> and I love doing that. And that makes me, and I also do like a lot of um, new work, which is a really fun process where you're working on the development of a project that that's my most fun is to see something go from a reading to a workshop to a production and being and i've been lucky to be a part of that as an actor mainly but when you're working in that you kind of become a a collaborator you become a person when you're working with a group enough i've worked a few times um on this one project called simon and his shoes which is a, a musical about a, a a gentleman and his pair of shoes which is very sweet and very fun and I've worked on it enough that like, you know, like when we're doing the readings, it's like, oh, this isn't working or this, you know, like, and you get asked questions and you give real responses and that's what's exciting. So mainly doing that, mainly mainly in front of the boards, but I do some writing. Um, I think I play the ukulele, but that's just like for fun. I brought it into like a couple auditions, but it's not like a particular thing. I teach, I love to teach and help Oh, students. where are you teaching? I taught at Union. I did a. I'm helping out with Union Catholic. They're doing a high school musical on Zoom, um, and Me? I was sort of the music director with that. But I, I've helped as a vocal coach and things like that because I also am a singer and I've done, and I do that a lot too. So I I'd like separately. My most recent project that I did was my friend curated this evening called I've Been In Here Too Long, a virtual Fiona-thon, which was an evening direct uh, about Fiona Apple. Yes. And that was really fun. So we created, we did a cover of her song every single night and I sang it. My my partner, Taylor, he made the, he's a musician. And so he did the, the background, like he did all the, he did all the music production of it. So he did the backing track and mixed it. And my best friend, Gigi, she is a video editor and she edited it for us. So that was our- Very neat. So you kind of do everything, right? Like I became a videographer. Like I was the cinematographer. I had to set up the shots. I had to have a concept. So so kind of all of all of it a little bit. I think most actors I know, very few people I know are just actors and have done nothing else. Almost everyone I know dabbles in a couple creative fields. Yeah. And you mentioned that you, you were doing voiceover work. How did that come about? How did voiceover Is that work? something you, you auditioned for, or somebody you knew? I'm trying to think, how did it come about? So the voiceover work came up, this specific job, the Magic Sash, came about from a direct, this is a great, this is a great little loop-de-doop story. I was at the Fleet. I had auditioned for this musical called, called Ms. Estrada, which was a musical adaptation of Liz Estrada. I didn't get it at first. No, no biggie, did, went on to do other things. I get called in though at one point, they're like, we need someone to be kind of like an understudy or like a swing, particularly for the female ensemble. And I was like, sure. I had never done it before, but I'm like, sure, I'll give it a shot. Thinking, what are the chances I'll go on? What are the chances? Well, it was a bad flu season that year, let me tell you. <laughs> and I went on for all of the parts. So I go on, we're going, I went on for opening night. It was like kind of insanity. I did two shows in one day because I was in another show. It was the most insane night one and night. And you loved every minute of and it. And I loved every minute of it. And it was so fun and it was so exhilarating. And it was one of my favorite things I've ever done. Like to, And it really, I really love like swinging now. That I think swing is the hardest job 
out in in live theater today. Yeah. <clears throat> I think people don't realize me. even what a swing is. They see like, what's a swing? What is that? Um, Especially in a show like Hamilton. Uh-huh. If you're a swing, I mean, those people, they have to be in in this spot at this beat mm-hmm. for this and to remember all of that is just beyond maybe i should we should maybe we should ex- do maybe we should explain what swings are you go right ahead ma'am so swings so in a show a musical we're gonna go with like we have a traditional musical where you got leads and an ensemble like you know decent size an understudy is typically someone who is in the ensemble and would go into a leading role or supporting role should that person be on vacation be out sick what have you now there is an empty spot in the ensemble that must be filled a swing swings in and fills that role a swing though usually doesn't know they're going on until maybe a couple hours before day of and a swing normally has multiple tracks so that's multiple parts so you know they'll have like five tracks that they need to memorize all of their choreography and what spot they are in that song and then that night you're like, okay, you're in the track for blah, 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 blah. And then you have to go to your binder and look, okay, and look at your cards and whatever method you have. And then you go into that. That's what a swing does. So what I did when I did it, which was super fun, was I never done it before. So I asked advice from people who had done it before, who had worked with it before. And they were like, you should color code it. And so when I did it, this is a fun secret, fun treat, fun secret. I did it every, the people I swung, I swung four, four tracks. I did them all at one point and they were all just different colors. So all in my head was like, and I had, would have my script in between scenes backstage, just checking. Okay. And, but so, but all I had to do was like, look at orange. That's all you're doing today is orange. So like, no, it's like as if nothing else exists, but that one. You okay. pretend like none of it else exists except for that that one. And you just look and like you have little diagrams for where your dot, your little orange dot is going. You just kind of got to like flow into the pattern. And you watch the show a lot. You'd also, I also watch the show a lot. But yeah, so I did that. And this is the long-winded story. I'm so sorry. This got very <laughs> That's awkward. okay. You go I right did ahead. that. The director, the director of Ms. Estrada was uh, Michelle Tattenbaum. So she sees me doing this swing stuff and that I did it, you know, and the production does not collapse. Like that's like, you know, I did not like, you know, run into a pole and cause disaster. Uh, and that it went well and that I did a good job. And so she calls me in, she's called me in for workshops, things like that, auditions. I've auditioned for her before. Um, and she called me in for this podcast thing. She was like, hey, like, are you free? Do you have the capabilities to do this? And because my partner is a musician, indeed, we do have the capabilities to make a little home studio. So, so I did. So that, so that's how I got that voiceover gig was because I did a show two, three years ago where a bunch of people got sick. <laughs> that's, that's how I got a podcast this year. But you know, but that's the thing. You know, that's where you really need to be nice. Be- oh yeah be into it, give your all for every single thing you do, whether it's making pillows or filling in for the lead, because it's the connections that you make in those early days that really propel you later on. Somebody's going to remember that you were good, that you were kind, that you were in a B-I-T-C-H to people, (laughs) you know, and and they're going to call you back for things and, uh, you know. It's really a lot of connections. It really is networking. And I've had, 
I've asked a lot of actors their advice and the unifying thing for any successful actor is they're like, literally just be a person people want to be around be and that doesn't mean to change yourself that means being yourself and treating people with empathy and kindness and listening and being game and it doesn't mean that you always say yes to everything i've had to say no to things even no to things that i want to do but maybe it conflicts with something or saying no to a friend it doesn't mean you always have to be a yes person constantly but Mm -hmm. it does mean that you have to treat people treat it, it really is like treat people how you want to be treated go into something with i think as positive as an attitude as as is possible you know every project is going to have its challenges you know you can go into a project with a lot of positive attitude and halfway through you're like oh my god what am i doing but if you just keep chugging along even the people who survived maybe because i've been on shows that like you know the it just kind of collapses or it's a mess or you're like oh my god what's going on and the people who you make it through that with will become your friends and like they'll be like remember when we did that crazy show and you're like yeah or they'll be like hey remember so and so like that show was crazy and they still like kept it together and like made it through like we should call them if they can deal with that they can deal with anything Right. You know, so I think it's it is about like a perseverance and a kindness and just being someone people want to be around. Those are the people that I know work and also the people you recommend, because a lot of it all it's also about. I think there is this idea that theater is very competitive and I've never really understood that or really felt that. I mean, in a callback, it can feel competitive. You're right. You're like sitting at a table and you see that person there and you know, you both want the same thing. But it if you hold on too tightly to things, they don't really come back to you. I find that the more I'm giving and the more I recommend people for other projects, the more sometimes when someone's like, when I go, I'm not a good fit for this, but you should talk to my friend, ba ba ba, they're great. Like, I can't do it because I'm busy, but you know who you should call? Like this person. And that is really important. It's not about like an, oh, it's not about this ruthless competition where you want to beat everybody out. It really is like a a community that you're trying to like help be a part of. Mm -hmm. I think that's important to remember. Yeah. And that is a perfect way to end this. So here's just some wacko questions I ask. Oh, go for it. I love it. Okay. What's the strangest thing in your refrigerator? The strangest thing in my refrigerator is, oh, we just went grocery shopping. <laughs> it was, it was, I just threw that. It was this um, jar, this glass jar of just the bottoms of cilantro because I just kept taking the top off. So it was just the stalks. <laughs> but I felt bad throwing them away until I was suddenly like, I think they can go. That in case weird. you wanted to like replant them I don't know. I was like, maybe, well, I was like, maybe I can do something with them. And then I was like, who am I kidding? They're going to rot. <laughs> Uh, well, again, Ari, thank you so much for doing this. Thank um, you for having me. I hope I gave you some. Thank you so much for it. Was so good to talk about it. It was fun to talk I know. about well, it. With it was you. good to just catch up with you. Yeah, I can't thank you enough too for. No, I hope you know how much like work like it really did did matter. Like I don't know. I don't know. I really hope you know that like being a part of the Kelly Street Players like really like I, I told you my 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 NYU uh, admission essay was written about my audition. Because it really was this, it it really was this life changing moment, but I didn't know it was life changing at the time. And almost everything I've done, even in my career has been that you don't know how important something is sometimes at the moment. And it was just, you know, I don't know. It's the, one of the best things I've ever done. I'm just 
happy to support you. It's the reason I do what I do and um, to see somebody like you flourish. You know, it's just, I always like, like, I think sometimes parents are nervous to like let their kids do theater because maybe they're worried like, well, they don't worry. I think if your kid's going to be good, but also just like, it's very tough to suppress that energy for it's going to come out some way. So like an actor's got to act, but I was very lucky. I've always had so much support from, from you, from my fan, like just been so lucky, so deeply fortunate. So when I am back in Jersey, I have to do sushi again with the girls. Oh, I'm so down. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye, babe. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Theater Project Thinks About. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on what happens after you graduate. To follow Ariel and her future endeavors, visit arielgonzalez.com. Our audio engineer for this production was Gary Glor, and our theme music was by Gail Liu and Damien DeSandes. Visit thetheaterproject.org to sign up for our mailing list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode, and we'll see you next time.